You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Um, You know, normally by uh, this time of the year, I'm usually done with events. Usually the Dallas Truck Show in in August is the last event I do of the year. But I got invited to speak at the truckstop.com connected conference coming up again in Dallas uh, in November. So if any of you are truckstop.com users, this is a great conference to go to. It's, it's all about the users and showing you how to use the software better and understand the system. And I'll tell you, most people that pay for the service only use about 120th of the information and features that are available. And this is a great way to learn how to use the system even better. And it's uh, it's also a great place to connect with a lot of brokers because traditionally, I've been to these kind of conferences before. Uh, I speak at them usually every year, a couple different load boards and a couple different groups. And I've been to the TIA conference with the brokers and I've been a keynote speaker there. So I'm going to be doing the keynote at this event, and also I'll be doing a panel uh, both days, I think. So I'll be speaking a couple times, but it's a great conference, and I'm always shocked at how few owner-operators and carriers show up. And it's, uh, it's a great way to learn more about the system, connect with more brokers. Uh, I'm going to be – I haven't really – written my keynote yet uh but you know my thought is i'm gonna work on something along the lines of you know connecting and again it's mostly brokers that are there so i always kind of gear my talk towards the brokers because it's the biggest uh, audience there but i i usually talk about connecting with good owner operators and small carriers and building those relationships the same thing that I talk to owner-operators about all the time, but just the other side of the coin. So um, if you go to truckstop.com, you can find the details there. And uh, I'd love to see some of my listeners there. It should be a great event. Uh, Speaking of great events, this past weekend, we also announced the 2017 CMC registration is now open. We are going back to Council Bluffs, the MAC Center. We had a great, great event there last year, but we didn't commit right away and we didn't open registration because honestly, the event was great for the attendees. We had excellent feedback. 
but as a company, it really kind of kicked our ass. It was a big, a big venue, a big event, a lot of people, and we weren't really sure if we wanted to take that on again. We actually thought about kind of shrinking the event a little bit, maybe going back to Kansas City, but we have a lot of demand and we're just going to have to step up our game and uh, hire a few more people for the event and we'll make it happen because it really is a great space for us. So we've also expanded the event out to six days, sort of, the Sunday prior. So the event itself is Monday through Friday. But the Sunday prior, we're going to do an event all day open to the public, and that day will be free. All of our vendors will be there. We'll have demonstrations set up. We'll have food. Um, just a good time for everybody to come on in, meet and greet and make some connections. And who knows? Maybe if you show up on Sunday, you'll want to stay for the event. And then uh, we'll kick off the event on believe it would be Monday, the 18th of September. So you've got some time, but the sooner you sign up, the better off you're going to be. We start sending out a lot of information early. We have a payment plan, so it only takes you about $100 to get signed up. We're also really excited. This is the first time we've been able to offer a spouse discount. We haven't been able to do it in the past because we were in smaller venues and we were always sold out. So every seat had to bring in a certain amount of profit in order to make the event work. But now we have enough space and we can expand if we need to. And we're able to offer a really, really good spouse discount. So check that out. You can call us. Um, or you can go right on the website, letstruck.com, and register. You can call us if you have any questions, and uh, we can certainly help you out with that and get you signed up if you need it. Again, we have a payment plan. It's only going to cost you about $100. So you can give us a call, 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. And... We'll uh, answer your questions and help you out and get you signed up. Let's go to the phone calls. Let's start off in California. Keith, welcome to the program. Is that me? That is you. What's on your mind today? Kevin, I'm driving a, a, a 2000, uh, for 2015 uh, KW680. Every time I come to a stop, I get a bunch of smoke coming out of the passenger side underneath. The kids in the seat as I'm driving down the road, but, I mean, it looks like the thing's on fire. Any idea what that might be? Ah, uh, no. I really don't even have a clue on that one. This is probably going to definitely, I, I would venture to say, have something to do with the emission system. Uh, the SCR, something down there, but I, I haven't heard of this one yet. So this is just going to require some hands-on troubleshooting uh, to try to figure this one out. Any other symptoms at all? Any check engine lights, any codes, anything? No, sir. In fact, I've been watching the fuel mileage. It's just the same as it's been. Um, no ill effects. There's, there's no... 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, again, a lot of, you know, the emission stuff is still pretty new and we're not, I, I haven't had a call like this at all. I haven't had anybody with this going on. So I wouldn't, other than just going to the source and looking to see where it's coming from and troubleshooting that way, I don't even have a guess. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate the time. Uh, yeah, it's only got 166,000 miles on it and everything else is like, you know, almost new. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Wish I could have helped more, but that one, uh, haven't come across that one yet. Let's go to Texas. Bob, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Kevin. Um, Got a question. I've heard some people saying this new tier three or whatever emissions is going to start. Uh, you're going to have to pay a penalty to uh, keep running an older truck. Have you heard anything of that? No, I haven't. And and this sounds to me like pure rumor mill kind of stuff, because here's the thing. You know, so far, as much as I haven't liked the emissions, you know, the way they were all rolled out and all the problems we've had. But the one thing the federal government, not anywhere I have ever seen in any bill, any proposal, any anything, I've never seen the federal government talk about retroactive rules. Their whole take from day one has been, we'll put the standards on the new trucks being built and eventually all the old trucks will go away anyway. And California has been the only place that tried to make it and is trying to make their emissions retroactive, meaning California says, if you have an older truck, you just can't come in or you have to modify it. And that's been a disaster. So I, I haven't seen anything. I get tons of newsletters in the trucking industry. I read them every day and I can't imagine that I could have missed this somewhere. I guess it's possible. But when you think of how much of a burden that would be on the smallest companies, I, I can't imagine them doing that. Well, I couldn't imagine it either myself. Uh, I mean, another quick you, question. Uh, well, hold that thought. Let me get to a break. We'll come back and we'll do it. I mean, if, it, if you take a small owner operator, small carrier that's running an older truck, and either make them upgrade that truck or pay a penalty, that's a pretty big burden. And so far, the federal government has never proposed anything like that that I'm aware of. I'll go do some digging, but that's a new one on me. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothenberg. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. I was talking with Bob in Texas. So, Bob, go ahead with your other question. 
Uh, the CMC, I was really considering trying to go this coming year. Uh, is that at a, is there a motel there included in it, or do you, do you have to have your own motel, stay in the truck, or how does that go? So the, the cost of the conference covers the conference, all the books, all the materials, all your food, basically, because we do breakfast every day. We do snacks and beverages throughout the day. We do lunch. And we use like Monday night, we always have a reception that includes dinner. There's usually another night in there where we have an event that has dinner. So the things you have to kind of pick up on top of the cost is maybe dinner one or two nights throughout the week and the hotel room. Now, we've negotiated the best discounts we can. Um, There's a hotel attached to the convention center itself. So you're literally right there. Um, so that's a good option. And there are five or six other hotels really close. So sometimes you might even be able to shop around on like Priceline or something else and find, sometimes it's a better deal than we can negotiate. We have to negotiate way ahead of time. We have to commit to big room blocks. So I always tell people, look, we'd love to have you stay in our room block. That's why we negotiate it. But Look around. You might be able to find a better price. A lot of people do stay in their truck. We're part, we have parking right there at the event. And if you have any kind of shore power capabilities, there is an RV park right there in the parking lot as well. So some people last year were pulling in there and hooking up for power. So there are several options. Okay, that sounds real good. I know that my wife said, I'm not going to go up there and stay in the truck for a week to go with you, but. I mean, if there's a motel there close, that sounds like it might be worthwhile. Yeah, like I say, there's one that's actually attached, and then two or three more that you can easily walk to the event. I mean, it's within sight of the Mac Center, and then a couple that are a little farther. So it's really a great location. It, it's There's a ton of restaurants you can walk to. There's the hotels. There's uh, just a it, – it's – there's a truck stop that you can walk to, literally from the Mac Center. There's a, a truck stop right there, actually, too. So the, lots of stuff available. Uh, I understand your wife, too, though. We, we tell people, look, it's all tax deductible, everything. The cost of coming to the event, travel to get there, your hotel, any, any amount of money you do spend on food while you're there, all deductible. Make it a vacation. You know, get a hotel room, relax, enjoy yourself, um, and get lots of sleep because you're going to need it for the event. Let's go to Maryland. Rocky, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, a couple questions for you. Been on the keto, no wheat, grains, nothing now for about four weeks. Picked up some of the test strips the other day, and every time I use one of them, I'm getting a neutral. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm feeling better and everything, but that was going to be my question. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm feeling better. A lot of the pain in my shoulders is going away. Uh, Good. But uh, just uh, about, uh, I've been about, checking my blood sugar also. It's been down low. Good. How about appetite? You notice that you're not hungry nearly as often? Yeah, usually in the morning, get up, do my coffee, um, and then usually around 1 or 2, I uh, do my coffee about 7.38 in the morning, a cup or two of coffee, and about 2 o'clock, I'll stop and fix me uh, an egg or two and some bacon or something, and then a little something for dinner, and that's okay. about all I've been eating. So pretty good appetite control. When you do coffee, are you doing the bulletproof? 
I just started it, and I did not do it this morning. I've done three times. Yesterday, I put the immersion blender in my cup, and it went all over the truck. And uh, just buzzing it there once or twice. So I've got to find a different way to blend it up. You know, what I really uh, like when I travel, and I actually liked it so much when I was traveling that it's what I use at home now. I, I use a Nutribullet. They work really well. I know you got a little bit of cleanup and that kind of stuff's kind of a pain in the truck, but that that's one option. Um, and the reason I ask is because there are a couple things we need to get into ketosis. And one is we've got to cut out all the sugars and the carbs. You've done that part. In order to produce yeah. more ketones, we also have to give our body the fats that, that it converts easily to ketones. And the, the absolute best, now I don't expect everybody to use this, it is expensive, but the Bulletproof Brain Octane, it's a liquid oil, it's made from coconut oil, but it's refined down to just yeah. one fat, the C8. And C8 turns into ketones really fast, like 30 minutes after I take okay. um, Brain Octane, my ketones will double sometimes. Um, the reason, here's the reason the strips aren't working. They only work when you very first go into ketosis, because what happens at that point is your body starts producing ketones, but it doesn't know how to use them for energy. So it gets rid of them and it gets rid of them through your urine. And that's why we can measure it. But once your body says, okay. oh, look, ketones, that's energy. We're going to use that and it uses them up. Now you're not excreting them anymore, so we can't measure them. So then we have to go to either measuring them in the blood, and that's kind of expensive and a pain. I do it, but or in the breath. And that's really my recommended way. There's one meter on the market called a ketonics that measures it yes, in the I breath. I found that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it, yeah, I was wondering it, if, if that would have worked better than the strips because uh, I'm not getting any results on the strips. The, the breath meter yeah. worked virtually as good as the blood. The blood is the most accurate, but I've been using both. Like this morning, I tested um, my breath first, and I can virtually yeah. tell you what my blood reading is going to be. They're that close. So... It, it that one is worth it. Although I, I tell people sometimes, you know, you don't have to measure this. You can play around and yeah. figure out what makes you feel better when you have good appetite control, when you have good energy, nice, steady energy all day long, and you're losing weight and you feel good. You're in ketosis. I mean, those are all the signs. So okay. I'm kind of yeah, a I number. Feel good. I feel like I got a lot more in a lot more energy. Yeah. And and for some people, and, uh, you know what? That's enough. You don't have to measure this. I do it because it's what I do, and I'm kind of a numbers geek sometimes, and I like you know proving things. But I tell people, look, if you feel good and this is working, and you don't want to hassle with measuring, don't. Just go by how you feel. Okay. Because I was wondering if I wasn't taking enough bile salts to digest the fat. I called you that, about them a week or two ago in a, in a probiotic, but I, I, in the morning when I was doing the coffee, I take one. And uh, I don't know, should I step that up? Maybe do two with the coffee? You, you can group? step it up. Yeah, you can step it up. You know, I was just at a conference and I was shocked with some of the practitioners 
literally quadrupling some of the dosages of the supplements and getting good results. So, you know, there were people instead of taking one uh, beta plus, which is the bile salt we sell, instead of taking one, they might be taking four or five with the meal. So a lot of practitioners with a lot of experience said, don't worry about too much. There are a few supplements that you would want to but not very many like the beta plus if one's working try two, try three at some point you might notice a little bit of stomach upset or you may even develop a little bit of diarrhea and if you do then you would want to back off on the bile salts now you don't have a bladder correct no i don't Okay. It was taken out so when, about five, six years ago, and they, they never told me about the bile salts. I've learned that from yeah, you. I know. So when you don't have a gallbladder, you stay on Bio Plus for the rest of your life, the, the Beta Plus with the bile salts. That's just, you do that the rest of your life. For people who do have a gallbladder, what I recommend is cycling. So I will do one bottle of Beta Plus with the bile salts, and then I'll do a bottle of beta TCP, which is gallbladder support, but no bile salts. And the reason you cycle if you have a gallbladder is because if you supplement with bile salts and you have a gallbladder, if you do it for too long, your gallbladder will stop functioning as well as it should, and your liver won't produce as much bile. So in a healthy person with a gallbladder, I recommend try the the bile salts once and see if you feel better in your diet. In fact, I need to do them. I need to cycle. For whatever reason, my gallbladder will start working and I'll start digesting fats better. And then over time, I'll notice it's getting a little sluggish and I'll go back to another bottle of the Beta Plus. Let's go. Oh, let's go to a break. I'm looking at the clock and it looks like we're going to have to wrap this up and uh, get to a break. But I'll get to more of your calls and questions right after this. Um, Speaking of supplements, the new store is available with the supplements. Uh, We'll be talking about that more this week on Destination Health. And I'm going to cover a couple specific supplements that uh, I've been testing and testing with some other people that were really, really getting good results on. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
The website is letstruck.com. Again, check out the new store, and we will be expanding and adding to the store. More truck products, uh, more supplements, more health products. We're going to start adding some really good, clean keto food that can uh, doesn't need refrigeration, easy to carry in the truck. That's been my assignment lately, uh, testing and tasting and, and checking out really good keto and paleo food products. And I'm finding lots and lots of little tiny startup companies that are making some amazing food products. And we are going to start putting them in our store so you can get them in one place. So check that out. Let's get uh, back to some phone calls. Let's go to Texas. Justin, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good to talk to you as always. Um, I've lost about 50 pounds now on this uh, ketogenic diet. That's just been through the uh, the diet itself, not through uh, exercise. And I am actually looking at, oh, thank you. Uh, I'm actually looking at uh, incorporating some exercise in because I've really never felt quite this good and never really wanted to exercise, but now I've just got all this energy and I know I right. could be doing something. And I've uh, I've heard a good bit about this uh, this high-intensity interval training, and I'm wondering, are all the sources going to be about the same on that, or would you recommend one maybe over another uh, as far as – because I – I understand about how it works, but as far as a good workout routine, I would have no idea what to do on that. So I wanted to get yeah, to that. Um, boy, there's, there's so many sources, like you said. Uh, most of them are going to have similar philosophies as far as the overall idea. And just to give everybody else an idea, um, high-intensity interval training um, the idea is that it, it, it's more of a natural way of movement. So again, we go back to kind of the hunter gatherer kind of days, the way we lived for a very, very long time and we were healthy. And the idea is to mimic more of the way we would have moved back then, because honestly, the idea of formal exercise for a human being is very new. You know, a hundred years ago, gyms didn't exist. This is a fairly new phenomenon to go to a gym and work out or, or to work out. We used to be so active naturally, we didn't need to. So the idea of, of like CrossFit, high intensity interval training, Instead of going out and running for hours and hours and hours or getting on a treadmill and, and walking or running at the same pace over and over and over for long periods of time, which isn't really a natural movement, that, that's not how we moved when we were hunter-gatherers. It was more like you would be kind of doing stuff all day, whether it's cutting firewood or you know foraging, so kind of walking and climbing and and then all of a sudden, you might have to chase down an animal and try to kill it. Or you might have to run from an animal. So you'd have the strong burst. So that's kind of the ideas to get back to a more natural um, approach. One of the books I would recommend for you, and it's not necessarily about high interval training, um, is, is Go Wild. Because it does talk about 
natural movement and and not necessarily going to a gym and doing the same repetitive things over and over. So it's it's a really good book. I would recommend that. As far as learning about high intensity interval training, I would actually check out Mercola, Dr. Mercola's site. He's done a lot of good okay. videos and um, a lot of really good information. He also does something uh, called really, really slow weightlifting. And I was, I, I only did it for a little while, uh, but I was pretty amazed at the results. And I've been involved in weight training my whole life. I started, you know, weight training when I was 13 or 14 for wrestling. Then I owned a gym when I was 19. And I, I was shocked. And when I say slow, I mean really slow. Like you barely see the bar moving. And you might only do a couple reps at this really, really slow movement. And it's amazing the results you can get in a short period of time. So he has some good information about that on his site as well. So I would start there. For the most part, though, you're, you're going to find similar philosophies. It's, it's usually... 20 or 30 seconds or maybe a minute at the most of really high output, like sprinting as fast as you can. Um, and then a minute or two or three of movement, but maybe just walking. So you kind of catch your breath again. And then you go real intense for 30 seconds to a minute or so. There's a couple different methods, but you get the entire workout done in usually 20 minutes or less. Anything more than that is probably a waste of time. So you're going to find a lot of similarities, but you'll find different ideas. So I, I would look all over, but I would start with Mercola. And I again, I would also read the book Go Wild. 10-4, I, uh, I will add that to my list of books that I need to read. And if I could real quick for the caller that uh, was doing the bulletproof coffee in the truck, uh, yeah. until I was able to get a blender, I just... I followed uh, actually Lisa's advice from whenever I had called in, and I just got a uh, a good coffee cup with a screw on top. The ones with the pop on top, they'll explode off when you try and shake it. Uh, but if you've got a screw on top, you can uh, you can basically just shake it like you would a martini, and it yeah. it works just fine. And then what I ended up doing in the long run is getting a uh, just a little twenty dollar. Uh, I guess it's like the the electric whisk type thing where it's yeah, got the two uh, whisks on the end and I just yes. took one of those off and leave a couple inches of space on the cup and it it blends it just fine. Perfect. There, there's another option too. If you go to any place that carries like kitchen supplies, Bed Bath & Beyond, those kind of places where they carry a lot of kitchen stuff, they make like shaker cups for salad dressing. So they actually have like I almost want to call them blades inside the cup that kind of break things up and emulsify it when you shake it. And that's not a bad way to go either. That will help emulsify all the fats in. So uh, great tip. Thanks for that. And congratulations. I, I love hearing those stories, people losing weight, getting energy, pain going away. It's all amazing stuff. Let's go to Wisconsin. Bruce, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind today? I'm under. I'm uh, been working under a mileage contract for a lot of years. I'm seriously considering uh, getting my authority, 
And uh, I came, uh, something crossed my mind. I've got a neighbor that retired about a year and a half ago, and he worked under his own authority for about 30 years. I've um, heard there's some advantages to having an older authority number, and I might be able to pick this up for next to nothing. How do you actually, can you, and how do you actually go about buying somebody's authority from them? Yeah, you can. Um you know, you negotiate the price with them and then you go through the procedure to make the transfer. You can pay companies to do it. You can do it yourself. It, it's really just a paperwork thing. So it can be done, happens all the time. Normally, uh, normally you're buying authority and usually you're getting customers too. That's when there's real value there. When maybe the authority comes with, you know, some regular customers and some regular freight. There is a slight advantage to having an older number. I, I wouldn't pay a lot of money for it. The advantage is there are some brokers who don't want to work with new carriers that don't have a lot of experience, and they can tell that based on the number. They can go look it up and know how long that number's been in existence. And, and for some people, that's a real problem. They get their authority and they, they have, you know, they keep getting turned down by brokers, but my philosophy has always been, before you ever even get your authority, go build some relationships with brokers. There are plenty of brokers that would work with a brand new carrier if they knew them. They just don't wanna take a chance on some guy who you know they don't know, doesn't has never had his authority before, so they'd just rather move on, unless things are really desperate, and then they'll use just about anybody. But what I recommend is, take some time before you ever get your authority, identify four or five brokers in your local area, call them up, tell them what you're doing, and ask if you can come in and take them to lunch or dinner or out for a drink or coffee or whatever. And, and say, look, I'm a new carrier, but I, I've got a great safety record, you know, sell yourself. And then the, the new authority really doesn't become an issue. If you can pick this older authority up cheap enough, it might be worth it. And and again, yeah, it can be done and it's not a big deal. You negotiate the price with them, you pay them, and then you just do the paperwork to make the transfer. I am going to get to a break. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Stick around. All right, so a quick heads up. Um, we have one more segment for this first hour and I'm out of questions. I need about two usually to get through a segment. So I'm gonna give you about 20 seconds. If you want to jump in with a question, a comment, a topic, go ahead and press one on your phone. And if I get two, we'll do another segment. If not, we're gonna call it a day. Oh, looks like there's two. You might want to jump in. We, we could possibly get to three, so uh, still a little room. We will go ahead and uh, finish out this segment. Here we go.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get to some more calls here in just a minute. I just want to expand a little bit. Whether or not you were buying authority or not, I, I would still do what I just talked about. I, I would still make an effort to go out and find a couple brokers in my local area, build that relationship, actually go visit them. That will, that will put you in the top 1%. Because owner-operators just don't do this. And it can make all the difference when you're working with your own authority. Then what I would do is I would start identifying two or three other parts of the country, maybe even specific cities, that I really like to go to. Maybe I go visit a local broker, and maybe that broker has just got, let's say I'm here in Portland, and I go visit some local brokers, and let's say, I have a broker who is just loaded with freight going to Texas, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, wherever. That's his lane. And that's not uncommon at all. It's very common to find brokers that kind of specialize in a, in a lane or they have a lot of freight in a lane. Well, if I can build a relationship with that broker and I can secure some really good freight going to that area, well, guess what? I'm going to schedule time and I'm going to do the exact same thing in Dallas and Houston or San Antonio. I'm going to go look for some brokers. Now, I'd love to find a broker that could get me right back home. Or maybe I find a broker who out of Texas has a ton of freight going to the Midwest somewhere. Well, then once I secure that freight, I'm going to go do the same thing with some brokers in the Midwest and maybe I can get home. Maybe I can build a triangle. These are the kind of things that most owner operators never do and they can make all the difference in your operation. Let's go to Louisiana. Doug, welcome to the program. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, first time caller. I was just curious uh, if if any with this ketone clarity stuff would help with like neuropathy in the feet? Long term, it will, yes. So let me explain what's happening with neuro diabetic neuropathy. Um, what happens is the nerve endings literally get sugared over. I, I know that sounds crazy, but that's actually what's happening. It, it's called advanced glycation end products, ages. And when you have a high sugar, high carbohydrate diet, which is how we become diabetic in the first place. I mean, that's really other than type one. The only way to become a type two diabetic is because we've consumed too many carbohydrates and too much sugar, more than our body can handle. And it actually creates this glycation that that coats the nerves and then the nerves can't function properly and that's what creates the uh, neuropathy the pain the tingling it's what attacks the eyes and and why you know blindness can be a, a, a an effect of diabetes it's also what happens in the brain and people with uh, diabetes or prediabetes are much, much more at risk for all kinds of degenerative brain diseases, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, because the same thing is happening. These, these glycation end products are sugaring or coating the nerves, and they don't function properly. 
once we go to the ketogenic diet, that drops blood sugar way down. And over time, those nerves can regenerate and they can start functioning better. So we can see blood sugar change in literally days from a, a good ketogenic diet. So you see a lot of benefits. The neuropathy is going to take more time. I've seen some people say they've had improvement in as little as two or three months. And I've seen some people that after a year, it's virtually gone. It really depends on the extent. Yeah, it depends on the extent of the damage and how strict you are on the ketogenic diet. You know, most people, if they're to the point where they have some symptoms of diabetes, like the neuropathy and the pain, that's fairly advanced. They're probably going to have to do a really strict ketogenic diet, like no more than 20 grams of carbs a day. But if they do that and they continue doing that, this can correct itself. Oh, great. Okay. How about for uh, frequent urination then? <laughs> well, believe it or not, uh, in the beginning of a ketogenic diet, it gets worse. So this is a pretty common thing. What happens when you have a high-carbohydrate diet, your body stores sugar as glycogen in the muscles. And for every molecule of glycogen it stores, it stores three to four molecules of water. So most of us are, are retaining water because of all the sugar. Well, when you stop the sugar, the body releases the glycogen and it releases all the water it had to hold with the glycogen. So you find in the beginning, you're going to the bathroom constantly. But one, and, and that's also why you hear these crazy stories of people losing 20 pounds in two weeks. That, that's common. And, and the critics will say, oh, but it was all water weight. Well, it wasn't all water weight. A lot of it was, though. But they, they make it sound like that's a bad thing. It's not. It's a good thing. We, we don't want to carry around all that extra water. We want to be hydrated, but we don't want our cells storing a lot of extra water. And that's what happens when we eat a high-carb diet. So getting rid of that water actually feels good. And then that constant urination will kind of slow down. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We're going to squeeze in another one here. We're going to go to Missouri. Al, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What can I help you with today? Hi, Kevin. Um, I'm having an electrical issue. Uh, my voltage is dropping to about 12.2, and I'm getting a little bit of an alarm sound. Then after a few minutes, it works itself back up and gets to about 14.4 to 14.6. And normally it runs about 13.9 to 14.1. Uh, which is just about ideal because the target we're looking for is 13.8 to 14.2. That, that's ideal when we can stay in that range. Um, the, the kind of the procedure I'd like to go through for troubleshooting this is one, this could be a bad battery that's just drawing so much it just keeps sucking down the amperage. So I would load test the batteries. You can buy a, a battery load tester at the auto parts store for pretty darn cheap. So you can do this yourself. Um, and if you find a battery that just doesn't load test well, then I would replace that. 
Then what I'd like to do again at the auto parts store, you can buy a multimeter pretty cheap. And I would check the output of the alternator with no load on it. So we disconnect all the load off the alternator and then check the actual output. And that's where we want it to be 13.8 to 14.2. If it's outside of that range, you should replace it. I mean, if it's 13.7, I'm probably not going to run out and replace it today. If it's 14.3 or 4, I'm not going to get too crazy about it. But if it's, hey, I've got an alternator on my coach right now that's only putting out about 12.4 volts. It's just not enough. Uh, for those batteries that will damage a battery pretty quickly. So I've got to replace that alternator, but that's the way I would uh, start troubleshooting this. All right. Cause it's been like all day and now it's been about 14, five, 14, six, and now it's been down to 14, two or three for the last 10 minutes or so. Yeah. It, that's really sounding more like an alternator than a bad battery, but it's, it's never a bad idea to load test the batteries. I, I would rather load test the batteries once in a while than wake up one morning and find out one is dead because that's usually the way it happens. It's, you know, you're going to be on a cold morning and it's always when you have to be somewhere and there's a load on. And so Load testing the batteries once in a while is just a good idea for everybody. Yours is sounding more like an alternator than a battery, though. Do uh, you think running the rest of the day is okay, or should I stop? And oh, yeah. No, you, you'll be fine. I mean, honestly, when you've got an alternator acting like this, you could probably go months and be okay. But when we identify it, yeah, I, I would get it taken care of within the week, but I wouldn't worry about it today. All right, great. All right, thanks Thank for you, the sir. call. This is also a really good time to do that electrical system maintenance that we talk about all the time. So pull off all the connectors on the batteries, um, clean everything up really well, maybe even replace the cable ends, the connectors, give them all a good coating of dielectric grease, put it all back together, follow the wires away from the battery towards the ECM and starter, find all your grounds, grind those down to bare metal, put on new connectors, dielectric grease, and go to our store at letstruck.com and get a Maxwell engine start module for the winter, and you will not have to worry about battery issues this year. There's the music. I've got to get out of here. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. Kevin Rutherford. Thanks, everyone. All right, everybody, we'll see you here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Thanks.
Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.